So Luke chapter 10, uh, I'll read from verse 29, uh, 25 to 29 first. It says like this, And the lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What it is written in the law, and how does it read to you? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? So we're looking at the story. This is a very, very simple story to understand. I mean, it was written at, at the most basic elementary level. Yet Jesus told the story to a very well-educated man and uh, somebody who, um, who was very well-schooled in the law, very well-schooled. Um, and so Jesus t is trying to teach him something here and trying to teach us something. And he, one of the things we understand immediately is that when you put Jesus to the test, expect an answer and expect his answers to test us. That's one of the things that we are, the scripture teaches Jesus, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You know, the only time it mentions us to put him to the test is in our faithfulness to him, in our giving. Says, well, if you really want to test God, well, then give to the Lord. Um, and, and that's the only time in Scripture that we see ever testing God. And, you know, this educated man, it says that it was a lawyer uh, that stood up and, and to test him. You know, this educated man thought to be wiser, in a sense, than Jesus. And he decided to put him to the test. And like a well-educated man, he came, with, he came out with a good, a good question. You know, the, the, the question here is excellent. This is the, one of the deepest questions that we can ask. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That is a good question. So we're going to give him credit for that. The, 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 the man came out with a fantastic question. And Jesus directs him to the scriptures. You know, he, this is Jesus' answer. He goes, what is written in the law? And he goes, how does it read to you? In other words, he goes, go back to the scriptures. You know, uh, since you're a man of the law, in, a, in other words, he's saying, don't you know the very law that you, that you teach? Don't you know this very law? Have you not read, you know, the first five books of the scriptures? You, you know, and so before we try to take Jesus to school, in a sense, you know, we got to make sure that we understand that he is not like us. And he is not like one of us. You know, so many folks... Um, they ask the greatest questions. Uh, but what happened here was pride and self-righteousness kicks in, and that's all it is. It just, it's just a great question. It never goes beyond. Think of Pilate. What did Pilate ask? What is truth? Right? Pilate, when he had the Lord before him, he asked him, what is truth? And, um, well, he, that's all he asked, and he didn't stay for the answer. Um, and in reality, uh, uh, there is no one simple answer to these questions. It's not a, 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 uh, it's not a very one, two, three step uh, easy process here. Uh, and that's what it is. A lot of people have great questions, but they're not willing to listen to the answer. They're not willing to understand um, uh, and understand the answers. And so that's why the scripture says, wishing to justify himself, he said, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So Jesus says, look at the scripture. What does the scripture say? You ought to love everybody. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he wishing to justify himself, he said, and who is my neighbor? In other words, who do I really have to love? You know, so after, you know, after you're confronted with the truth and after we're confronted with the truth, that's what man does. Man tries to find a way out. And the real issue is always when it affects our daily lives. You know, we've, we've talked about this many times that, 
when it goes from the classroom to the streets is where the problem is, right? So nobody has a problem with talking about God. In reality, not, not many people do. Um, you know, people talk about gods all the time and God in different forms and different ways. And, and that's not uh, much of an issue. It's when we talk about Jesus Christ and the ethics of Christ and taking that into the streets in our daily lives that it becomes a difficult thing because it affects our moral, uh, our, our values, our moralities, uh, our, mor our morality, our virtues, and, and what we ought to value in life. And so man always wants a choice. That's what we see here. That's what he said. Teacher, I know. In other words, I know that I need to love you. I know that I need to love my neighbor. He goes, but in reality, who really is my neighbor? I mean, that is, uh, that is a very... Um, a man-centered answer that many people will give. You know, in other words, he's saying, I, I want a choice in who I ought to love, who I ought to tolerate, who I ought to help. You know, in, in Scripture, this is what the Bible does. It removes us from the center, and it puts God in the center and the love of neighbor. It says, you are not the center of the universe. In reality, we are here to glorify God, to worship God, and to learn to love one another. And, and, and in this simple story, he removes the lawyer from the picture, and he goes, no, you are not the center. It's, it's the love of God and the love of neighbor that ultimately matters. And we know this through scriptures. It says that, that everything is fulfilled in this. In what? In that we love God and we love our neighbor. If you want to fulfill all of the Old Testament, well, the love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus taught. He didn't come to, uh, uh, he didn't come to remove the law. He fulfilled the law. Uh, Jesus Christ is the goal of the law. And to be like him ought to be our goal. You know, following God and loving God is not supposed to be a thing we do on a specific day, as many did back then. So many times, a lot when we see in Scripture, Jesus is trying to remove that mentality that it's not so much the day, but it's what we do in that day that matters. It's not so much uh, um, the teacher, but it's what's being taught. It's not so much the lesson, but that we actually live this out. So Jesus is always revolutionizing this, that everything matters, but if it doesn't go outside of the classroom, if it doesn't go outside of the synagogue, if it doesn't go outside of the temple, then it really doesn't matter. It needs to go outside. It needs to be part of us. Uh, and that's why in the New Testament, it's all about a gospel-shaped life, that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that is changing our perception of life. And, and yet, and this is not an easy task. Because there's a lot of difficult questions that we all need to navigate through, like evil, suffering, right? The, 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 these questions are not uh, are not easy questions, and people we we don't we don't pretend to have all the answers, but we have to navigate through these things with the God-centered mentality. Um, and if you don't struggle with these questions, well, great, praise the Lord, and continue on your way. But there are people who struggle with morality, with evil, with suffering, uh, with why is their life the way it is, and these are not easy questions, um, and that's. That's why we need to be very gentle. And that's why Jesus, when he teaches, it was in the most simple way. I mean, this story, uh, it could not get any more simple than this uh, uh, to, to, to learn the lesson. And, you know, and it, it, because Jesus teaching, this is about a new creation. It's not so much about just learning the law, but it's about being this new creation. And what is this talking about? That, 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 that God indwells us, that it's the spirit of God that empowers us to be witnesses. You know, this cannot be just faith and no works, nor can it only be works and no faith. So we, we always need to understand that it cannot just be that I'm going to live on this faith and, you know, and that's it. No, and it cannot just be I'm going to have works and no faith. It needs to be both hand in hand. 
You know, true living faith is active. It's seen in our daily lives. And how we live in this world and how we treat people and what we do with our time and resources really says what we believe. You know, the righteous shall live by faith, says the scriptures. So let's look at, let's look at the response that Jesus gave to the, to the, um, to the lawyer, uh, to this very well-educated man. This is what Jesus replies. Now keep in mind, okay, Jesus, this is a, a very profound answer. And Jesus doesn't give him a theological spiel. He doesn't give him a rhetoric. He doesn't give him a one, two, three step program. He doesn't, no, look, look at the response that Jesus gives to this, uh, to this very well-educated man. Jesus replied and said to him, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil, wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. We look at the story, and, and, um, and there's no names, no descriptions for this parable of the man who was injured. There's, he just says, a man was going down from Jerusalem. You know, and most likely, he was, he was a Jew coming from worship. Uh, that's what they were doing. Most, that's most probable. And Jesus doesn't say you know, that he was a poor man, that he was a rich man, that he was an important man, that he was a simple man, a religious man, or a nominal believer. Because at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter the, the man's uh, belief, the man's social structure, education. What matters is that he's a human being and he has value and worth in the eyes of God. And we should treat and love everyone equally. You know, we shouldn't have favoritism because, like I said, social classes, education, ethnicity, beliefs. You know, to love neighbor is, is not exempt to a select few, but to all people. That's why he teaches this story. He goes, look. The, 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 the lawyer, you know, I'm sure he had a well, a good life. I'm sure he, uh, I'm sure he had, uh, he was respected among town. Uh, I'm sure he had a position. And he goes, teacher, you know, you know, trying to test Jesus. He goes, you know, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And instead of Jesus going to his level and giving him a very well-educated lesson, which I'm sure he could have, he brings him down into an elementary level. And he goes, if you can't do this, all this doesn't even matter. If we can't fulfill the most basic things of life, how do we expect to be with him in paradise? How do we expect to be with him for an eternity? And because at the end of the day, what Jesus cares about is people. Jesus doesn't care about knowledge as much as does what we do with that knowledge with everybody else. Uh, you know, that's why the love of neighbor is up there. It's love God and love neighbor. Love God and love neighbor. As a Christian, that is our calling. You know, and how that plays out, well, we have the scriptures, how that looks to help us unfold how do we love God and how do we love our neighbor, you know, in, in, um, in, in, in in, in a godlike way. 
And when we look at this story, like I said, there was no names of this person. This man was going down from Jerusalem. You know, and in 1 John, and John tells us um, scripture in verse 3.18, 1 John 3.18, he says, Little children, let us not love with word and with tongue, but indeed in truth. What we see here is this. We see a priest, we see a Levite, and we see a Samaritan. And he goes, don't love. He goes, the way we ought to be loving is, 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 a, is, is a radical love. It really is. It's, it's completely different from anything else that the priest was practicing or the Levite was practicing. And then he brings out this Samaritan. We'll look at this right now. In verse 31 and 32, you know, he says, and by chance a priest, and then the verse 32, he says, likewise a Levite. So two religious figures, all right? You know, just the position immediately implies something. If we, if we hear the word priest, uh, it could be a pastor, a bishop, an archbishop. It could be a, a teacher of the word, whatever word you want to use, okay? It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Or us, real royal priesthood, a Christian. Just the name immediately implies something. You know, character, conduct, integrity, love, compassion, holiness, and love of neighbor overall. You know, immediately, when, when that's why when people attack Christianity, it's because the name Christianity has a lot of, it's a, it's a heavy package. You know, a lot, for example, if you look at other belief systems, people don't really critique them. You know, if somebody says, I am, I believe in this and they do this, it doesn't really come out in the, in the nine o'clock news. But if a, if a man of God, if a pastor does something, it'll come out in the in nine o'clock news. Why? Because just the name, just, just, just the, 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 the fact that we are Followers of Christ, it says something to the world. It, it does in our social structure. It does in, 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 in every ways of life. So we don't need, uh, uh, we don't need uh, the, the, uh, the name, uh, I'm sorry, um, what, what we need is not our name up there. We need the name of Christ. And we need to remember that it is not our name that we're representing, but it is the name of Christ. We have the banner of Christ in our lives. You know, and what we have here, we don't have the name of the priest. We don't have the name of the Levite because it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because God knows. And, you know, at, what we see here is, you know, do we have two officials with much responsibilities? You know, as, as religious figures, they were not called to be celebrities or elites, but they're called to be people of God and devoted to his work and his servants. That's what a minister is. A minister is a servant. Everybody who's called to ministry is in reality a servant and the least of all. Everybody, every, every one of us who teaches, every, every pastor, it doesn't matter what function we have in, in the body of Christ as a leader, we are the lowest of the lowest. We are called to serve the people. That's what a minister is. It's a servant of God. You know, and we are to be devoted to his work as servants. And Jesus was teaching something by, by using these figures, by saying, because he could have used another figure, but he didn't. He used a priest. He used a Levite to teach this great man of the law something, a powerful lesson, that, that simply holding a high position as a religious leader doesn't necessarily mean true spiritual man. Just because you have a position doesn't mean you're living this out. You know, and, and, and that's what Jesus was trying to say. What matters is not so much the position you hold, but the life that you live. And, and, and one who... Um one who longs for God, who loves God as Christ, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a certain position in front of people. You know, similar, you know, is a Levite, right? 
Levi was called to, um, to a place of honor also. And they were more of the assistants of the priest. And so, uh, you know, those who uh, have seen and experienced serving God and his people, the Levites were temple servants in another way and, and performed many duties in the temple. Uh, in the Old Testament, we see a lot of stuff that they did. And in the New Testament, we see this. You know, and human concern is to be expected from religious leaders. That, that, we, that we are concerned for the well-being of others is not an option. It is expected out of us. And as believers in Jesus Christ, that too. Because now we are all royal priesthood. Now it's all of us that we are, we are unfolding this out in this world. Yes, there are certain people that have gifts, uh, that are called to leadership, but in reality, the responsibility is equal for all. Uh, there is no hierarchy of, well, this person teaches, so they have a more responsibility. No, we will be, we will be judged more strictly, but that's a whole different story. But in, rea in reality, when it comes to responsibility, it's, it's each and every one of us that make Christ known. You know, so human concern is, is, uh, is important for us. It ought to be. You know, if, if you're that close to God, is what, is what Jesus was saying, in, in service and dedication, lifestyle should follow. But it doesn't always follow. That's why he used these two religious figures. You know, just being busy and active in religious works or activities is not Christianity. You know, it's, it's got to go deeper than just being, in this case, a priest or a Levite, you know, or any religious figure. It's got to go deeper than just being busy or joining a local congregation. You know, those who um, will inherit eternal life are not the most religious. That's not, we never see that in the Bible. We never see, well, the most religious, you know, have a special place. No, it's, it's those who are devout to God. Those who have recognized their need for a Savior. Those who die daily, as Paul says. When we look at, this is why I like using Paul as an example. Well, one, because obviously he wrote the majority of the New Testament. But I love his openness and transparency. When we were looking at Corinthians on Fridays uh, for the past months, we saw that Paul was such a real man. Like he talked about, you know what, the things that I want to do, I don't do. I do the things I don't want to do. I see that there, I see this uh, principle that there's evil within me. You know, he talked about, he, he was witty, he was crafty, he was sarcastic. He is sarcastic in many ways in scripture. Uh, he's a real person, you know, and, 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 and he gets angry, he's sad, he's joyful. He doesn't hide his emotions from us. And as Christians, we too, we are normal human beings who experience everything in this life. The only difference is that we cling to Christ as Savior. And we say, well, he is our Lord and he is our Savior. That's the only difference. But we love neighbor just like everybody else. And we give our lives to God and to the service of everybody else. You know, and, and so it, being religious is not the goal of everything. It's not the goal. Um, being religious is good. You know, practicing things is very good for us. But in reality, it's got to go more. It's got to get, get, go out of the textbook, and it's got to go into our daily lives. You know, the surprises in heaven will be great. You know, some sad and some great. You know, when we get there, um, you know, we're going to be amazed. Wow, this person didn't make it or this person made it. Why? Because in our minds, you know, we when we see somebody, for example, we walk into a church, we assume, we assume that everybody is a Christian sometimes. You know, we assume that everybody is walking with the Lord. We assume because they teach, because they sing, because they preach, because they have an organization that, oh, man, they're so devout. No, not necessarily. Devote 
promotion has nothing to do with position. It has to do, we see it in the lifestyle of the person. And so those who persevere to the end, Scripture says, shall be saved. You know, those who persevere in loving God and loving neighbor, persevere in knowing God, living like God, loving like God. That's the goal, that we love like Jesus Christ. Yes, in our imperfections. Yes, we are human beings, so we are going to make mistakes mistakes each and every one of us but it is it is it is uh, as i said i think it was last week in the opening of the sermon that our lives are 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 living pictures of the gospel of christ uh, at work in our lives so uh, everything that we do is the living picture of the gospel of christ literally that we are under construction so when we make mistakes or when we uh, fail at times don't be ashamed of that you know just uh, mend what's what's wrong fix it ask for forgiveness and move on in life and and the enemy what he wants is he wants to hold you down that's what the enemy does he convicts you convicts you conv god is forgiving you and you're just convicted 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 and that's that's not christ-like and so we ought to move past that so we can love god more and love neighbor more you know, a lot of times when people struggle with loving neighbor, it, there's roots of bitterness, roots of anger. Uh, there's, uh, the, you know, there's resentment. Um, there's grudges. There's, there's these inner um, uh, tentacles uh, uh, that are very evil within. If, if we allow them to grow within us, there's roots of bitterness that can grow. So we need to be very careful and prune that out with the love of God and love of neighbor. You know, this parable ought to help us understand, you know, the heart and the mind of God. You know, Christianity is about a deeper life not showy, not busy bodies, dressing a certain way, singing certain songs. You know, we must grow out of this. Each and every one of us, maturity and faith you know, is much needed in our lives, in our congregations. We must look at the scriptures and say, what does Jesus care about at the end of the day? When, when I stand before my Lord Jesus Christ, what will I be judged for? He says he's going to pay back according to what the things that we have done. You know, not what we have learned, but what we did with what we learned. You know, we see this throughout Scripture. He cares about deeds. He cares about how we live, how we treat one another. He cares about it. And yes, knowledge is extremely important because how can we know him if we're not studying him? How can we be more like him if we don't know his attributes? And that's why studying the Bible is important for the benefit of our own souls. So this beautiful story, again, has the priest, has the Levite. And now let's look at the Samaritan, the one that gets uh, the least attention in the sense of, of society and in context. And that's why he uses the Samaritan. The simple parable teaches us who actually did the will of God, who actually loved their neighbor. Now keep in mind, okay, uh, uh, when we read verse 30, um, 33, it says, But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. So in context, the reason why this is shocking for us, it may not be as shocking. We're like, well, he was just a Samaritan. Well, it's, he's not just a Samaritan in context. In the narrative to the hearers, this is a shocking thing. Samaritans uh, 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 were not schooled in the law like this, like this man. Um, you know, they didn't have these prestige positions. In other words, the Samaritans were a mixed race. All right, they were intermarried. 
intermarried from places like Syria, Assyria, Babylon, with the Israelites. So they intermarried, and so the Jews casted them away. They were marginalized people, uh, uh, you know, who had mixed worship because they uh, intermarried with uh, with pagan um, uh, with pagan people. They brought in pagan gods. So they, they some of them worshipped Yahweh and they worshipped Molech. Some of them worshipped whatever. They w- worshipped all kinds of gods. Not all, but most of them did. All right. Um, and so Scripture teaches us that they had a difficult way of living. They were not um, uh, they they were not living like the Jews in a sense. And because they didn't have the fear of God, they worshipped other gods. They served other gods. And and Jesus. Uh, you know, um, the, 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 I'm sorry, the Jews looked down upon the Samaritans. You know, to this very day, um, even when I went out there, um, there is still this noticeable separation uh, between if you go to Samaria and if you go to Jerusalem, there is a complete noticeable separation. And I know it's hard to believe because we live in, you know, we live in a, uh, in a very postmodern age and what well, doesn't really mean anything, I guess. But we, we, live in, we, live in a, uh, we live in the time of enlightenment and stuff. And um, if you go to the Middle East, it's not like America. Um, uh, not to say that America is doing very great and everything, but in the middle, it's very difficult. It's, I mean, there is literal, uh, there, I mean, if you are uh, a Palestine and you are a Jew, there is a difference in social structure. Uh, you guys can see the news. You know, if, if you're a Samaritan, you don't necessarily hang out with Jews. Like, it's still like that. I know for us sometimes, it's, you're like, because especially we live in a melting pot here in Orange County, L.A., where there's everything. But so for us, it's normal. Other people, it's not normal for them. And so, um, you know, uh, when I was out there, I noticed that even our tour guide, um, uh, who is a Messianic Jew, Messianic believer, she's, she believes in Christ, Messianic Jew. Yes. Um, and so even her, I had to correct her um, because she was like being a bit, I noticed a, a hostility toward the Samaritan. I said, and I, and, I, and I said, well, that's not the love of Christ. And, and she was like, well, it's because you don't, you know, we went into a whole argument. And so you already know. And so that was a fun journey in Samaria. And so I had to take her to the scriptures. And, you know, and I didn't, you know, um, uh, well, actually, I did say, have you not read? You know, the Bible teaches, you know, to love. What did Christ die for? Who did Christ die for? And so she was not very happy about that. Um, but and the reason is because there is still this tension between the land. There is there's tension there. And so, but Jesus came and revolutionized it. No, we are all equal. There is no difference. And that's why Jesus teaches the lawyer. He says, the Samaritan did the will of God, not the priest, not the Levite. It was the most unexpected person, the one that nobody cares about, the one that wasn't coming from worship. Keep in mind, the priest and the Levite were coming from Jerusalem from worship. All right, they were not hanging out, you know, in the local pub. All right, they were coming from worship. The Samaritan was on a journey. Who knows what he was doing? He was probably just, I don't know what he was doing, right? We can imagine many things. And so he was, for sure, he was not coming from the place of worship. Um, and so, because in context, they didn't worship with them. And so, um, what we see here, but in this parable, the, the hero is not the priest. It's not the Levite. The, the hero is the Samaritan. What does this teach us? All right, this is a great lesson for us that when, when Jesus is telling the lawyer, you know, who, who, is, who out of the three did what was right? And he said, well, the, well obviously, you know, um, um, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he, and, and, and he didn't say the Samaritan. He said, the one who showed mercy, the one who showed mercy. And keep this in mind, both of the people, uh, I'm sorry, uh, both the priest and the Levite, when they saw the man who was beaten up, who was stripped and and, uh, left half dead on the street, 
What, what did they do? They looked at him, and they went around the other side. That's, that's what Scripture says. They saw the man, and they were like, oh, I don't want to defile myself because I, don't want to, I, I, I need to stay pure. I, I can't. I, I can't. And so both of them, and that was their attitude. But interestingly, the, the one, the Samaritan, felt compassion. It's, it's just, a, it, again, the scripture teaches us it's not what we expect. You know, the one who had compassion for the needy was not the one who teaches. It was not the one who serves in the temple. Again, that is a, um, in, in context, that had to be a shocking parable. This was not like, oh, what a beautiful story. You know, no, it was an offensive story. Jesus' words were offensive to the people because he, he's saying that, I mean, this poor person, this marginal, this, I mean, uh, uh, well, we don't know what the, how Samaritan's social class was, but we know he was for sure marginalized. This is the person who actually is doing Yahweh's will. I mean, in context, that is an extreme, extreme shock. You know, he didn't uh, offer a prayer, uh, or, or, or um, uh, he, he, he gave him Jesus. You know, the Samaritan didn't say, well, I'm going to pray for you, brother. Let me lay hands on you, and may the Lord help you on your way. <laughs> right? No, not even the priest offered a prayer. Not even the Levite offered a prayer, right? You know, and, and Scripture teaches us, man, if your brother is in need, if somebody's in need, you know, and you don't, and you have the capability to help them, and you don't help them, how, why, why do you think that your prayer is going to be any good? You know, if we have the ability to help somebody, and all we say, well, may the Lord bless you, keep you, on your way right that's not the will of god the will of god is for us to help each other you know it's to if we see somebody who is in need and we can help our job is not to diagnose the problem and say well maybe i'll help maybe i won't help imagine if jesus did that to us imagine jesus died on the cross and said well let me diagnose every soul and decide well who i'm going to help we wouldn't be here we wouldn't have redemption we wouldn't i mean and so we can't our job is not to diagnose the person and be like okay that one's worthy of help that one is not worthy of help no our job is to love neighbor we are not we're not called to diagnose the hearts of people um, that's the holy spirit and our job is to help and be these hands that are the hands and the feet of the gospel you know sometimes we need to pray for people there is there's at times where the person what they need is prayer and we pray for them but there are times when the person is hungry and and prayer is not going to just to send a burrito from heaven and give it to them like that all right that's not the way god works god uses us to bring him food you know and so sometimes a person you know needs a friend sometimes the person needs a phone call sometimes the per we the necessities are are a variety and so in in our job is to be a neighbor you know and and based on our capabilities we must act upon those you know james teaches a church and james chapter 1 verse 27 he said pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our god and father is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world our religion is worthless if it's not followed by Christ-likeness toward others. You know, this is what it was. What, what we saw here is dead religion. We saw people who were religious on the outside, but they had no God on the inside. You know, that's why Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. Keep in mind, you know, he said, you are whitewashed tombs, right? Like, you look beautiful from the outside, but you need to clean the cup from the inside in order to have the outside clean. Like, we can't just clean the outside, and, and that's just appearance. We need to clean the inside of the cup, and for that, we need Christ Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. Because each and every one of us are these priests and Levites. 
each and every one of us. We cannot, ex we cannot escape that. That's why it's so convicting, because this priest and this Levite represents each and every one of us in one way or another. And the fight that we have is to be like the Samaritan, the one who, the one who is marginalized, the one who no one cares about. Right? The, the fight that we have as human beings, naturally, we are like the priest and the Levite. We, 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 um, uh, we just don't have time. You know, we don't want to get ourselves dirty. We don't want to, um, you know, we just don't want to involve ourselves in this matter. You know, we, we're, we're busy people. Uh, you know, like I've told you guys many times, the guy who lives behind here in the, underneath the riverbed, he's busy every day. He tells me, you know, he's busy. He doesn't have time. For God. And, you know, you wonder, well, bro, you live right, I mean, the church is right here, and he says, I'm too busy, guy. I'm too busy. I used to serve God in Guatemala, but in the United States, I don't serve God. I'm just too busy. And I kid you not. And so, if you ever talk to a homeless, um, you know, they are very busy people. And so, understand everybody's busy and this is the thing this is the fight that we have we all must fight that and make time uh, the love of neighbor is sacrificial the love of god is a sacrificial love there is no greater love than for us to lay down our life there is no greater love to lay down a life is not something you just oh well i'll just die for this no it's sacrificial uh, it hurts. It's not easy. Even when we give to the Lord, it's a sacrifice. Sacrifice of thanksgiving. When we do, when we serve God, it's a sacrifice. You know, everything that we, our whole lives are, ought to be living sacrifices to God. And so if, if God wanted the leftovers, you know, um, you know they, that would be a whole other God. It's not, our God is a jealous God. He wants us all. That's why he says, love the Lord your God. We read this. You know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, you know, with all your strength, you know, and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, it's not just enough to love me abstractly, but you must demonstrate it here on this world in order for it not to be a dead religion. You know, when Jesus was, was criticized for eating with the tax collectors and sinners, we saw this in the scriptures. Even Jesus, the Pharisees are like, why does your teacher eat with them? Aren't they prostitutes? Aren't they tax collectors? Aren't they, you know, uh, sinners? You know, why? Why does he eat with them? And what does Jesus respond? You know, Jesus, knowing their heart, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So what does Jesus tell the, the, the religious people? Religious people always got something to say, right? You know, if you don't look a certain way, if you don't do certain things, if you don't practice certain things, if you don't cut the meat a certain way, if you don't sing something. Like, I mean, religious people always got something to say. And so Jesus says, have you, you know, he told the, the man of the law, have you not read? Do you not know? Even Isaiah said this. Have you not read? Have you not, do you not know? You know, Jesus tells the, 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 um, the Pharisees, you know, he tells them, uh, it, it, um, go and learn. In other words, pick up your Torah, open it, go and learn. And so Jesus always takes them back to the scriptures. You know, Isaiah, when he, when he tells the people this, you know, he takes them back to the scriptures. Have you not read who our God is, that he, that he created the heavens and the earth, that there is no other God? Have you not read? And so, and so this call is always back to scripture. It says, go back to the book, look what it says, and live this out. It's such a simple thing, I know, but it's not easy when it's Monday afternoon, Tuesday evening, Wednesday, we're in a rush, there's traffic, we're busy, you know, there's problems in life. Everybody's got problems, part of life, you know, but our job is to be living sacrifices and know what God wants. What does God want? He desires compassion, not sacrifice. In other words, if all we do is sacrifice, 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 but we don't love the person we're sacrificing for, it's worthless, 
It's just it's noise. It's just it's just clanging of symbols. It's just uh, it, it's just empty at the end of the day. We must love what we're sacrificing. That's why God says, I don't just want you to give. I want you to give your heart so you can give your, and that's what I want. You know, when we give, he goes, I want your heart before anything else. Um, I don't just want you to do something. I want you to love me. I want you to know why you're doing what you're doing. And so that, that is a deep call. Uh, that is not a simple thing that we just pick up along the way. Um, compassion um, comes from our great God. And he teaches us because naturally the priest and the Levite, we would have thought should be the most compassionate people. But Jesus is saying, no, they're not. Not always. And so that comes back to us as Christians. We are not always naturally the most compassionate people. We are not naturally the most gracious people. But we, rec we must recognize that and say, okay, God, that's where I need help. You know, I, I need help because I just don't love my neighbor as I should in these areas. Uh, I don't love my neighbor in these areas. Because loving neighbor is, is, is not a little, it's not a little topic. This is the mission of our life. You know, how do we make Christ known by loving God and loving neighbor, you know, and sharing the gospel that way? Uh, you know, verse 36 and 37, you know, he says, which of these three, again, proved to be a neighbor. Again, he proved to be a neighbor. He showed mercy. Which one? And it was a, it was a Samaritan. You know, and, and, and Jesus says, well, go and do the same. That's it. No fancy speech. No fancy rhetoric. He didn't recommend uh, uh, reading, this, uh, reading this literature. He didn't say, do, do this, do that. No, he just said, look, this is the story. There's a priest, there's a Levite, there's a Samaritan. This is the way they acted. This is the way they lived. Which one did what I want you to do? The Samaritan. Well, then go and do the same. That's, that's what he says. And so that, uh, maybe, it's a lot, maybe it's too simple for some, <laughs> but that's what he said. Um, Romans chapter 8. Let me read this before I close out. You know, uh, Paul to the Romans, he says in Roman, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 13, um, verse 8. He says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in these saying, in the same. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. That is the fulfillment of the law, that we love as Christ wants us to love. Does it mean that we don't share truth? Of course not. We do. There's a place for that. Does it mean that we don't? No. There's a whole lot of theological side of this. But it cannot just be theological. It must be practical, too. It can't just be arguments and debates. It needs to be practical. It needs to be demonstrated. That's what makes Christianity so beautiful and unique, that we love everyone, that we love our neighbor, that we love our enemies. You know, and one thing is to know his word, you know, and there's a whole other thing is to do his word. And, you know, and, and what Jesus said is, go and do the same, right? Even in the Great Commission, go and make disciples. In other words, be active in the gospel of Jesus Christ and love your neighbor as he wants us to. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you thanking you, God, for... Um, just a privilege that we have got to be called children of God and just the love that you've poured out for us and saving us from our own sins and from our trespasses and just being completely blinded to um, the things that we used to do, Lord. I pray that you continue giving us light, uh, continue um, uh, opening up our understanding that we can better know you day after day. As we look at this text, God, in our lives um, continuously, Lord, we're challenged by these things. In the most simple way, Father, I pray that you can help us understand. As we saw uh, in the scriptures last week, when you were reviled, you did not revile in return. Uh, 
You know, when people insulted you, when people uh, uh, um, uh, lied about you, there was a certain attitude that you portrayed. Lord, we pray that you can help us understand that, that we too can, um, can show that you are our God by the way we live and the way we love our neighbor, and that we can love you above everything and anything else in this world, and that we can love our neighbor as ourselves, Lord. I pray that as we struggle in these areas and as we navigate through life, uh, that you can teach us how this looks on a day-to-day basis. Uh, That every day when we have an opportunity that we can make you known by our actions, by our words, uh, by our lifestyle, Lord, by everything that has to do with our life, by our beliefs, everything that clings to you, that you are our Savior. May you be just shining through our lives, God. May the light of Christ shine before men day after day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.